All these pet peeves are certainly valuable. And I, I think a lot of them come down to respect the art form for the amount of effort and practice that it takes to do it well. When you get up on stage and you're looking like a deer in the headlights because you haven't practiced this before, it's not going to be a good experience for you or for the audience. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Now, some weeks, a storyteller will join me here on the podcast and tell one of their stories, and together we will break it down. Other weeks, we feature stories from our myriad events. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, but also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories. Personal stories. Grit stories. We are now in the first month of season three, and today we have got a bit of a different kind of episode. You see, Grit has something called the Swap Shop. It is a group of people who regularly meet to give and get feedback on their stories and to support one another with their stories. And recently we had a conversation about our pet peeves, what bothers us, what annoys us, what we wish were a little bit different when people craft and tell stories. And we also talked a little bit about hosting and producing. And so as you listen to this, give it some thought. Do you do some of these things and perhaps might it help your stories if you would tweak it a little bit? This is not a typical episode for us, but I thought it might be fun and an opportunity for you, our listeners, to get some additional thoughts and perspectives on story and, and hopefully it will help you and your stories out some. As always, check the show notes for upcoming events and workshops. And if you listen on Apple, help us out, rate and review this podcast. It really helps people find it. Thanks so much for that. So once again, this is Grit's Swap Shop and everybody who you hear on this episode, you can find their names in the show notes. All right, without further ado... Let's dive in. The thing that really drives me nuts is when there's a story slam or a swap or something, and there's a theme, and somebody repeats the theme like 500,000 times in their story. And the one time that stands out was that was moth, and the theme was exuberant, and this woman said exuberant no less than 100 times. Wow. All right. So just to be clear, <laughs> when there's a slam and there's a theme, you don't want the person to say the word or words, or if they do, not multiple times. When I hear those words, this is a story about my heart sinks. We don't need, you don't need to tell us that it's a story about anything. Just start your story. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Just start your story. We know you're telling a story. When in the middle of a story, someone's talking to, oh, but that's another story. Can't be another story because you're in the story. Save it in your head and write that other story, but you don't have to tell us. Just keep going with your story. And if you're starting to say other stuff that belongs in another story, maybe don't say that stuff. I like this. This is good. This might be like the best episode we've ever had. I have two and they're, they're related to each other. It's, it's so-and-so. People who start this story with so... And then they go and they end their story with, so, yeah. This is something I believe that is more common in the last 10 years. No idea why. It might have been from like a popular TV show or something. 
So I heard the reason why people do that is that it sounds as if, or one reason they do it, you're starting like in the story. So, but it just irks you. Yeah, you don't need the so. And if you have it at the end, if you're saying so, yeah, to me, that means you haven't thought of what the last line is going to be. And I also think it's because you're right. People tend to insert so into a lot of things that they say, and they might not even be aware of it. So have some awareness about what your first sentence is going to be and what your last sentence is going to be. And just to be 100% clear here, Andrew's not saying to never use the word so. I am not. But in that context. Yep. Related to that, I hate when people start every sentence in their story with, so then I, so then I, so then, or the word and. So the five-minute story becomes one long five-minute run-on sentence. Yes. I hate the stories about either a medical condition or caring for someone with a long medical condition that goes on for years and it just becomes an endless list of, and then we went to this doctor and he did this. And then we went to that doctor and he did that. And then he went to, yeah, that's the other story kind of story I hate. Piggybacking on the so and what Richard just said. And I know that I'm guilty of this, Mm -hmm. but people, when they're telling their story, maybe it's one of those things where you're sort of thinking as you're going, and then, and then, mm-hmm. and then, and then. So much irony there, Mary Jo. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the good thing about taping because I hear it and then I can edit it out. Now, we had this conversation via Messenger and there was a long list. Now, there are some people who were not, who are not here that were part of that, but we have got many more. So let us not hold back. How about when people do things like, so fast forward, Fast forward, or do we, what about like flashback? Flashback, fast forward, other kinds of um, connectors where they're trying to connect years or or it's not necessary. There's other ways to figure it out. And speaking of endings and beginnings, endings, when people just kind of end with, well, and that's all I have. Right. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Take time to find your ending, it matters. Correct. Right. I think when you hear anecdotes, often you that's an ending. There really is no ending. So, well, and then that's my story. When a storyteller says the same word over and over and over, two or three times is fine. But I mean, I've seen storytellers who have just ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Gotcha. In a performance, it really bugs me when people read their stories. I think Uh, the performance, you should have your story down. In the learning processes, if you're going to read, great. But when you're performing, know know what you're doing. One of my pet peeves with storytelling is the overperformance of the story. Fake crying. The overperformance of it. Um, Just not my thing. The overly pedantic. The person who inserts every long word they can think of to let you know how smart they are as they tell their story. Big words, not needed. Uh, Related to that is the story that devolves into a TED Talk. Well, it shifts from something that is a story which by its very nature engages the audience to a lecture on how the audience should be living their lives in a better way. Yeah. Let the story speak, right? Let the story speak. I like that. 
trust us. We'll get it. Related to, to the crocodile tears, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the flip side of that is would, would be someone who thinks their story is hilarious when clearly it is not. <laughs> <laughs> I get a bit irritated at a call to action at the end of a story. It makes me think they've come straight from a Toastmasters meeting, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a fine place to do a call to action. Mm-hmm. Storytelling and Toastmaster meetings are not the same thing. I hate it when, <laughs> when one person goes to a dozen moth slams in a month and tells the same story over and over and over. So technically, that's not allowed. Right. Now, maybe they didn't enforce it, and that's kind of... Now it's done because I think the virtual moths are no more. That's annoying. And you were breaking the rules. So if you won two moths, the same two stories, you cheated. Another thing that annoys me is when an event is billed as five to seven minutes and somebody speaks for 25 minutes and the and the host of the meeting allow them to do this. That takeaway from that is just stick to the time. We will appreciate your stories more. Trust us. But even without the exaggeration, I mean, if the time limit is seven, then when the person gets to eight, like you have to yank them off. But while we're on the subject of hosts, I hate it when hosts comment on the story. If it's a situation where the audience is voting, then the host should not be talking about how great that story was and it made me cry. And yeah, the host should not be influencing the audience if it's a situation where the audience is going to be voting. Sometimes I think a well-placed fuck is, you know, really good for a story. (laughs) But sometimes people just, they, every other word is fuck or fucking this or whatever. You know, they're trying to shock or, and it doesn't work. It just becomes like, oh, okay, we all know the word. Fuckfest's not funny, not good. I also don't like uh, what we used to call shaggy dog stories. They're mm-hmm. stories that just go on forever. And at the end, there's no point. They, it just sort of ends. And you think, yeah. why, why did I waste my five or seven minutes listening to that? I don't like stories that um, the ending isn't earned. Maybe they'll tack on, and I realize. And you're thinking, you didn't realize any of that in the story. You just sort of tacked it on. It feels very unsatisfying. I think it's a fairly common thing, especially of late. All these pet peeves are are certainly valuable. And I, I think a lot of them come down to respect the, the art form, have some uh, respect for the amount of effort and practice that it takes to do it well. Because the pet peeve I have is someone who will say, uh, if I say, oh, I, 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 I'm involved in some personal storytelling, they'll say, oh, I could do that. And they know they could do that because they told a good story once at dinner. And maybe it's Bob's brother. They're telling it over and over again. Sure, that's a good way to get started. But when you get up on stage and you're looking like a deer in the headlights because you haven't practiced this before, it's not going to be a good experience for you or for the audience. Wasting our time. Don't do that, please. Beyond that, not only are you wasting my time, but you're making me feel embarrassed for you. And nobody wants to feel like that at a storytelling show. The idea of telling from a scar and not a wound. And somebody recently asked me that, well, how do I know? And I didn't have an answer. Um, But the idea of when you're telling from a wound, it's unfair, not just to you, but to us. Yeah. Like you're putting us in a really uncomfortable and tough spot and try not to do that. I think it has to do with psychological distance. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that point is, but you have to have enough distance to be able to look at it 
in a more objective, not completely objective, but a more objective light. I don't know how to do that, but I'm just, you know, I'm just talking. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I didn't have the right answer for that person, but it was similar to that. Like, well, I think you feel that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you have doubts in your gut about telling it, it's pro- you're probably not ready to tell it. I can't stand that faux. That kind of connects to the performance stuff in some ways that I was saying. Any of that faux, faux, faux emotion. The biggest faux thing that bothers me is faux vulnerability. I can't stand it. Just being non-vulnerable rather than faux vulnerable. I, another one. Uh, I hate the, I'm always a hero of my own story. I went in and saved the, you know, saved people or whatever. They, they, they're they the hero and they did everything right. And at the end, the world was a better place because. Right. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to tell a story about how amazing I am. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know if this is a place for it, but I want to push back on what some of you were saying recently. In my particular case, some of my best stories, I have broken up a little bit in the middle. N- not on purpose, and so the uh, the wound is still there when I when I talk about it. Yeah, and and saying that that makes it bad because you're telling about a wound instead of a scar. I think it's easy to draw the wrong conclusion from that. That's I think better. that makes it good, right? If the story still affects you like that, but yeah, yeah where is that line be- between? Yes, I can tell this, and it may choke me up, and I can't tell this because I'm not, I'm not emotionally ready to tell it there. You know, it's hard to find where that line is. It's hard to tell. Sure. If somebody's can't get through a story or maybe their whole take on it is just, I'm really so fucking angry at the world, which is okay. I mean, there there are spaces for that. I think for people to vent and get it out, but that might, the storytelling community maybe isn't the right one. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I just think about them. I think the audience knows when it's fake and when it's not. And the stories that I've heard you tell when you had an emotional reaction, when you were telling it, I knew it was real. Right. But we're also talking about when it's too much, when it's too soon, when it's too raw. Um, And I don't think there's, we don't know. It's not like six months and you're good. Of course not. We just, who knows? We don't know. Everybody's timeline is different. Yeah, of course. What I don't like it is when someone like they think they can dial it in because you know their name and yeah. and so you expect it to be a good story and then you're like eh what mm-hmm. was that all about mm-hmm. you know I I could have flossed my teeth uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have another pet peeve show I just thought of this on what what pet peeves about coaches I'm re- I like that conversation too it's probably a different show. Because there's a lot of mediocre coaches out there and we want to make fun of them sometimes. This isn't exactly a pet peeve, but I curated a show earlier this year and one of the guys, and he like raises his hands for every, to be in every story. He's always there. And then he told my co-producer, he said, wow, those women, their stories were really good. They really told great stories. And she said to him, they practice, they rehearse, they do it over and over and over again. And you don't do that. You just get the idea in your head. You do it once or twice and then you. Right. Right. There are people I think who can pull that off, but not many, not many, not many. Everyone's got their own sort of like way they do it. I tend to write a lot. Some people like Richard don't, 
but practice is practice, right? If you're not, if your name isn't Allen Iverson, you got to practice. Practice? We talk about practice? We talk about the game. Cultural appropriation and also accents. I really don't like accents. And when they become, sometimes they become really uncomfortable, bordering on stereotype. I'm older than most storytellers. And if I tell a story about what happened to me in the 50s and use terms that were appropriate for how we spoke in the 50s, the uh, PC police in today's world are jumping all over that sometimes. Times have changed. And if you're going to tell an authentic story from 40, 50 years ago, uh, you use different terms. If If you PC it up, that's not really authentic. That's a, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. Then Bob, it sounds like you're saying you would prefer not to have to think so much in terms of how what's going to be accepted today and just use your language. Yeah, and that that might not be a storytelling specific one. That that is clearly uh, throughout society. You can get from whatever your political side is. If the other side insists that this or that, I mean, statues come down on one side. And on the other side, you can't kneel for the. They're going to cancel your ass. So Bob's pet peeve is society. Is that what that's over? I'd like to make it broader than that if I can. It's helpful. It's it's an umbrella term that works. I was just looking at some notes that I had and it's kind of connected to, I think what Nishama said about leading with, this is a story about that I see a lot of people do this thing where they qualify the story they're about to tell. Like this story, it's, well, it's not finished yet. Obviously in like this setting, a workshop setting, that's completely different. But if you're t- like, we're not gonna, I don't think people tend to extend any latitude to other people that are telling a story. If they say, well, it's a little long or it's a little boring or it's not done. Like we don't give a shit. Like just make it less boring or less long. I don't think that's going to change how we feel about your story, but I understand the, the impulse to start with that. Did we talk about props? So I like props. All right. So the swap shop, which is a group of storytellers who get and get feedback in the swap shop and they give support in a variety of ways. We've been meeting uh, since we locked down last April and we now have 15 or 16 members. And some of them joined me on the podcast to share their pet peeves about story, the crafting of it, the telling of it, and other related things. We also had an interesting conversation uh, on Messenger. And I want to share with you uh, what some people shared. And I share these with you, not to be snobby or not to say what's right or wrong or good or bad, but perhaps if you hear these, it might inform the way you craft and tell stories. So here we go in no particular order, and I will not say names, but here are some other things in addition to some of the pet peeves you've already heard on today's podcast. An unwillingness to adapt to good feedback, formulaic storytelling that you can set your watch by with misanthropic cultural appropriation or culturally inappropriate appropriations, profanity that doesn't advance the story complexification of something simple so as to make the teller look smart at the expense of the audience. Let us continue with some more. Poor story structure. No scenes, no stakes, no payoff, no delta for change, no motion or movement. 
when the teller manufactures drama with theatrics or shouting. Turning the story into a dramatic monologue, acting it out instead of telling the story, looking out longingly above and beyond the audience. All tell, no show. No dialogue. No clear understanding of the characters' relationships or their ages. And use of big words that I have to look up. Telling too much, too fast. When narcissists take a microphone, saying, cut to, using the words or expressions fast forward or long story short, that's always a lie. And the moral of the story, one track telling, always crying, always somebody dying, every family member has cancer, disaster storytelling, quote, guess what happens next, or you should have been there. Asking the audience a question when you know damn well you don't care what we think. Being the permanent victim. The teller is always the hero. Any infantilism of language. Too much repetition. The 25-year-old up here who tells about writing his autobiography because, bless his heart, he was once told his stories were interesting. (laughs) Linear stories that tell us everything and go on past 10 minutes. Ageism. Going too descriptive with a medical condition. Too many characters. An assumption we might give a shit about all the details. Stories not on theme or way over time. So, and then this happened, and then this happened, and oh my god, then this happened. Too much head and not enough heart. Throwing emotional bombs at the audience without the credibility and courage to carry it. People who say anywho. When the host tells too many stories, host is mean to people. The show starts late or runs long. So these are for storytellers and also hosts and or producers. Short stories stretch too long or long stories smush too short. Badly told or uncomfortable stories with no payoff for the listener. Adding to any point, oh, I forgot to say. Mistaking storytelling for a stand-up comedy. And even a hint of a useless phrase like needless to say. Yes, everybody has a story, but not every story needs to be or is ready to be told. Death by detail. A list of statements disguised as a story. And our final three. Hubris, hate, and a lack of feeling. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to all of Grit's Swap Shoppers for sharing their pet peeves on story crafting, storytelling, and other story-related stuff. As always, check the show notes for upcoming events and or workshops. And a friendly reminder, if you listen on Apple, it really does help if you rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. So thanks so much for that. That is all for episode number 49. Boom.